0: Good mornings, I'm Chris Oakes, and coming up today, continuing coverage of the investigation into yesterday's tragedy on I-75 that claimed the life of veteran Bluffton PD officer Dominic Francis. We'll speak with Hancock County Prosecutor Phil Regal about the legal process that lies ahead in the case, and Corey Rawson School Superintendent Jay Clark discusses how staff and administration will be helping students navigate the loss of a well-known and beloved member of their community. Also this morning, in our Community and Business Spotlight, Open Arms Domestic Violence and Rape Crisis Services is calling on everyone to help support and empower victims for Sexual Violence Awareness Month. And we have more scrumptious recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, April 1st, 2022. My wife asked me as we were... Turning in last night, how are you going to start the show tomorrow morning? And I told her I honestly don't know. It is April Fool's Day. Wish we could wake up and discover that everything that happened yesterday was just a bad joke. But sadly, it was all too real. By all accounts, Officer Dominic Francis was a profoundly decent man. Peace officer, teacher, coach, neighbor, friend, husband, father. A graduate of Corey Rawson High School and the University of Findlay, Hancock County Sheriff Deputy, Findlay Police Officer, later Bluffton Police Officer of the Year. Our thoughts and prayers are with his family, his colleagues, and his friends. And by all accounts, he had many who will never forget him. They say a life given in serving the community is a noble sacrifice, but for those who loved him, it is hard to get past the life given part. And yet, the sun will rise, a new day begins, and we will carry on. A little sadder, with a heart always a little heavier. But with the peace of knowing that Officer Francis will continue to serve watch over all of us from his new home in heaven. And the Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. End of watch. March 31st, 2022. We uh, will have much more on the uh, investigation into uh, yesterday's tragedy that claimed the life of uh, Officer Dominic Francis. This morning on the program, Hancock County Commissioner Phil Regal, or Hancock County Prosecutor, rather, Phil Regal will join us uh, to talk about the legal process that lies ahead in this case, sorting it all out. We'll also hear a little bit later on in the hour speak with Corey Rawson School Superintendent Jay Clark about how staff and administration there will be helping students navigate the loss of a well-known and beloved member of their community. And we have other items to get to this morning uh, as we look to a new day and look toward uh, some of the other uh, items on our agenda this morning, on this Friday. A very good morning to you. You know, I uh, happened to see this on the uh, Newswire, uh, one of the uh, the big national stories that we didn't really get a chance to talk a whole lot about yesterday, but uh, again, there's a bit of a, a sad tinge to this, uh, and that is uh, uh, the, the news uh, that, uh, that came out uh about Bruce Willis and his uh, medical condition that is forcing him to retire uh from acting um and um uh, a- aphasia it's called right and um uh, just just as with the Will Smith in- in- incident we learned uh about a condition named uh alopecia that nobody really knew a whole lot about and uh, now comes word of uh, Bruce Willis's uh, illness um aphasia which is kind of a uh uh, cognitive Decline, uh, and uh, I thought this was kind of interesting, Uh story that I saw on the uh, Newswire. Uh, the Oscars, of course, everybody was buzzing about all week. The Razzie not, uh, Awards were handed out over the weekend. The <laughs> annual uh, awards for the worst in Hollywood. Uh, Netflix's filmed version of the Princess Diana Broadway musical, Diana, won the most Razzie Awards. Uh, scooping up five trophies uh, for Worst Picture, Worst Actress, Worst Supporting Actress, Worst Director, and Worst Screenplay. Uh, Warner Brothers' Space Jam revival received the second highest number of Razzie trophies, three with LeBron James named Worst Actor. Space Jam A New Legacy also won Worst Screen Couple and Worst Remake, Ripoff, or Sequel. Uh, The... Uh, only one of the four Razzie Awards that Space Jam wasn't, didn't win was Worst Picture, and that went to uh, Diana. Ironically, the uh, Razzie's this past Saturday gave Will Smith, who has won four Razzie's over the course of his career, its Redeemer Award for his role in King Richard. So that was very ironic considering what then happened uh, on Oscars night. And he got the Redeemer Razzie Award. But the Razzies yesterday, and the reason I bring this up, the uh, Razzies yesterday did take back uh, an honor for Bruce Willis. The Razzies Foundation, the organization that puts this on, announced that it had rescinded its award Meant for Bruce Willis, following the news of his battle with aphasia, was made public. In a statement, the Razzies said it will not. Uh, it is not appropriate to recognize someone after a medical condition has come to light. The Mayo Clinic says aphasia can affect one's communication and can come from a number of things, like a stroke or a head injury. Uh, Williams uh, Willis's family revealed his diagnosis uh, on Wednesday. So the uh, Razzies taking back Bruce Willis's Razzie awards. I that was uh, kind of, uh, kind of cool. Uh, let's see here elsewhere. The first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, the coin shortage is back. Have you heard about this? You remember during the pandemic, uh, that there was a coin shortage, uh, people were not out spending money and, uh, especially not spending their loose change. And so there was a shortage of coins in circulation and guess what? It's back. Uh, retailers, laundromats, and other businesses that rely on loose change uh, need help in uh, getting more coins in circulation. A group of trade associations that represent businesses, including banks, retailers, truck stops, grocery stores, and more, is asking the Treasury Department for more assistance in getting Americans to use coins, get them back into circulation. Here's an idea. Lower prices so that... <laughs> so that. Uh, all we have to use is coins. We don't have to use the paper money, the big bills. <laughs> if if prices are, are low enough, then we'll use coins. <laughs> but uh, anyway, there was a, a coin circulation uh, issue earlier in the pandemic as the crisis disrupted people's buying habits, shifting purchases largely to credit cards and reducing small transactions that generate change. Because of the problem, the Federal Reserve restricted coin orders by financial institutions in July of 2020 and convened a task force leading to a campaign encouraging people to get coins into circulation. And while coin deposit volumes began to increase gradually, businesses say the problem has come up again as people have stopped using coins and was stuck to using plastic. The issue has the biggest impact on people who don't have bank accounts and rely on using cash, it says. So don't be surprised if the next time you go to the gas station, the convenience store, uh, or the big box store, they either say, we are not giving coins in change or asking for your coins, asking uh, if you can use coins to pay for things. So there you go. Something went... There's always something we have to worry about. It's the coin shortage now. Again. This, I thought, was a really interesting. A uh, legal question that, has, that uh, came up involving a case of a Virginia bank robbery that happened back in 2019. A federal judge has ruled that a police warrant for the Google location history of people who were near the scene violated the Constitution's Fourth Amendment protection against unreasonable searches. The decision, believed to be the first of its kind, could make it harder for police to use geofence warrants. That's what they call them, geofence warrants, which privacy experts say have exploded in popularity. Basically, they seek to get location data on every person within a specific location over a certain period of time. Um, now this only works if those individuals have the location history feature enabled on their phones or their mobile devices. The judge said the warrant was unconstitutional because it gathered people's location history just because they were near the site of the robbery without any evidence that they were involved. Uh, I would imagine that law enforcement would argue that they would be able to not only then track the movement's of the criminals but also possible witness they might be able to identify possible witnesses in the case in question here this 2019 virginia bank robbery police got a geofence warrant for any devices within a 164 yard radius of the bank at the time of the robbery the information aided them in arresting a suspect who was charged uh, in the crime so but apparently this judge says you can't do that anymore Stay tuned. I don't necessarily think that we have heard the last of that. Kind of interesting. I didn't even know these things, uh, types of warrants existed, but uh, interesting. And uh, lastly, this morning, among the first things you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, people are buzzing about this Uh, Fox News Channel has announced they have hired a new contributor for their news shows, Caitlin Jenner. The transgender, former Olympic gold medal winning decathlete and reality TV star has been hired by Fox News Channel. They say she will offer commentary and analysis across various Fox News media platforms. Now, it's worth noting that Caitlyn Jenner did run as a Republican for California governor in the failed recall election last year. She only got one percent of the vote among the candidates to potentially replace Governor Gavin Newsom if he had been recalled. Fox News Media CEO Suzanne Scott says, quote, Caitlin's story is an inspiration to us all. She is a trailblazer in the LGBTQ community, and her illustrious career spans a variety of fields that will be a tremendous asset for our audience, unquote. Remains to be seen how accepting the audience will be uh Caitlyn Jenner as a news uh, analyst and uh, contributor to uh, Fox News. I guess uh, she's going to make her uh, first appearance. Is it on Tucker Carlson's show? I I think I read that, that uh, she'll be on Tucker Carlson's show. I'm not sure when. Maybe she already has. I don't know. I I don't uh, usually watch Tucker Carlson's show, but... Uh, I think that's where she will make her first appearance. It'd be very interesting to see how that works out. So uh, there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started.
1: WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Mostly cloudy today with a chance of a little rain or snow. A high of 42. Partly cloudy tonight. Low around 30. A Bluffton police officer was killed in the line of duty on Thursday. Officer Dominic Francis was placing stop sticks on I-75 when he was hit and killed by a vehicle that was fleeing from police. The car kept going but stopped soon afterward. Three people fled from the vehicle and two were apprehended in the morning and the third in the afternoon. Bluffton Police Chief Ryan Burkholder says the community lost a hero when Officer Francis died. He said not only was the officer an outstanding officer, but he had a big heart and was very involved in his community.
2: Not only was he a police officer, He was a school teacher. He was a bus driver. He was a coach to the youth in this community. He had a heart
1: of gold. In honor of the life and legacy of Officer Francis, Governor DeWine has ordered that flags be flown at half-staff on all public buildings and grounds in Hancock and Allen counties as well as at the Statehouse. Get more on the website. The Ohio Redistricting Commission is once again facing the threat of being held in contempt of court. According to the Columbus Dispatch, two groups suing over Ohio's legislative maps say the GOP-dominated commission has continually flouted the Ohio Supreme Court's orders to draw constitutional maps. Earlier this week, Republican members of the commission voted to submit a slightly altered version of a state map that had already been rejected by the court as unconstitutionally gerrymandered. The Ohio Supreme Court has asked commission members to respond by Monday morning. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. The City of Finley Green Waste site will be opening for the season on Tuesday. The site is located at 330 North Quarry behind the Public Works Department building. And the entrance is near the railroad tracks off of North Quarry. A green waste site is for yard waste disposal and is available to Finley residents at no charge. The green waste site is intended for residential use only. Only tree trimmings, brush leaves, and grass clippings can be dumped in designated areas and the city says absolutely no plastic bags trash or other debris will be accepted get more news online anytime at wfin.com
0: So, our cover story this morning, of course, as we continue our coverage uh, of the investigation and the aftermath of yesterday's tragedy that claimed the life of veteran Bluffton PD officer Dominic Francis, Hancock County prosecutor Phil Regal joins us this morning uh, to talk about the legal process that lies ahead in the case. And, uh, Phil, thanks very much for uh, taking the time, first of all. I want to talk a little bit about, obviously, we can't get into a whole lot of specifics because there are still, number one, a a number of unknowns uh, based on where we are uh, just 24 hours uh, or less uh, after all of this went down yesterday. And number two, we don't want to say anything that could potentially compromise the case. But just to kind of lay things out, because I, I think for most people, uh, most average folks will see, okay, we uh, we know what happened. Uh, the uh, uh, suspects are in custody. They got the guys. So now we're ready to move on. And and there are a number of steps that have to happen before you ever see the inside of a courtroom.
2: Sure. Yeah. Well. And and even before we get there, I just want to say one quick thing, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, our I think our community would be very proud of the way that our law enforcement. Um, Um, folks worked yesterday. Um, I I just want to say I was there uh, in lots of different places and it was numerous agencies. You had, you know, our Hancock County Sheriff's Office, Allen County Sheriff's Office, Hardin County Sheriff's Office, you know, Lima PD, uh, obviously the state patrol, the marshals were involved, FBI was involved, uh, and I know there's several others, obviously Bluffton PD. Mm-hmm. There's several others um, that I'm not even uh, mentioning. And, and, you know, they worked together. It, you know, it took a it was a long day. Right. But everybody pushed through to get through to everything that needed to be done. So I, I just I wanted to say that first, that and, I think our community would be proud. Um, yeah. To, to the way that our, our law enforcement um, handled things yesterday in a very difficult day, because a lot of these folks were friends with Dominic absolutely i mean yeah and, and so they're they're working a shift that um is tough for them and absolutely. so I, before i said anything else i just wanted to say that because i i thought that um it was, it was really a remarkable work yesterday by our, our law enforcement community and the surrounding community that was supporting them. So you, first and foremost, I want to say that.
0: Yeah, you, you bring uh, up a good point. There are a lot of uh, agencies involved in uh, apprehending these suspects, but uh, this will be a single investigation uh, that will uh, ultimately be presented to your office, right?
2: Yes. And, and we were involved yesterday in, in several different aspects as well, getting search warrants and uh, a couple of different counties working on that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, we, we've been working with them hand in hand. And, and as you, as you said, I guess, to kick this off, um, you know, there's a lot, there's still a lot of work to be done. So we've got to continue the investigation. There's a lot of um, evidence that will continue to be sought um, to uh, to try to, I guess, put more of the pieces together of what and why and all those sorts of things. Um, and then um, eventually, so within the next week or so, um, you know, some of that will be probably presented to um, a grand jury mm-hmm. and consider charges and that sort of thing. They'll, they'll, they'll be charged um, in municipal court prior to that. And um, that will probably happen today, at least for some charges. Okay. Um, and then, and then, and then um, and they probably will be seen in what's called an initial appearance, which basically is a way to say, hey, this is what you're currently could be facing and they set a bond. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then we'll move forward with the next step to you know eventually within the next week or so. Um, present um, evidence to a grand jury for consideration of uh, e- additional charges
0: and then even once that happens uh, it, it will likely take a while before any trial would begin uh, and it, there is a case uh, that is on point uh, with this folks who remember nine ten months ago last year uh, the traffic accident that result or the traffic incident the traffic stop on i-75 in Finley that resulted in the officer being shot and people remember that manhunt that ensued in Findlay uh, for uh, several hours, and that case is only uh, just now. As a matter of fact, it's not even gotten to uh, before the judge yet, right?
2: Well, it hasn't got to a trial, correct? There was, there yeah. was a trial date earlier. There's things that happened that moved that trial date currently set for trial in June. So um, so that obviously, and, then, and obviously we had um, the um, officer involved um, shooting with um, um, Mr. Uh, Lister Lauk in Hauktown that just right. went to trial in February. And that was a year and a half after the incident. Yeah. So unfortunately these things can take a lot of time. I mean, the public obviously wants swift justice and all that and all that. And, and we agree, but at the same time defendants have rights. And so they have to be allowed to, you know, investigate their sides of cases and those sorts of things. And that's just the way our constitution sets it up. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> we, we have to, make sure that those those rights are protected as well
0: this also uh is a bit more complicated in that there were numerous jurisdictions involved uh as folks know this is an incident that actually began in what marion county uh went through wyandotte county then hancock county and then uh you know uh, i guess uh, back east uh, right. to lorraine county so um how does that work when <laughs> there are uh, obviously you would think the most serious of the charges would involve Hancock County, given the, uh, uh, the death of the officer. But does that necessarily mean that Hancock County will be first in the pecking order if there are charges in multiple counties as there likely will be?
2: Um, that's a, that's a good question. That, and that, that's sometimes hard to answer. I would say the the, uh, gentleman, um, who is, uh, a suspect who is, um, who is currently incarcerated up in, I believe Medina County mm-hmm. um, um, that he's going to be facing additional felony charges up there. So, you know, will those go first or will we They come back down here to deal with the charges down here? It's tough to say the other two that we currently have in um, our, our County um, jail uh, those folks, I would expect us to, move forward with the process here first before other counties would um uh, move forward or, well they may move forward with them but they wouldn't probably mm-hmm. have jurisdiction or, or wouldn't get them in custody to their uh, yeah. facilities until we had and moved forward some to some conclusion and and sometimes they they they'll they'll do their charges and and while we're still doing ours they may take them down for a day to have a hearing and then bring them back mm. and those things happen too. So that it could they sometimes they can go concurrent in those types of things in terms of when 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 these cases uh, when they go I guess
0: would would that be up to the courts to decide or would that be uh, through an agreement uh, from the uh, prosecutors in the various counties or how would that be ultimately determined?
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's kind of all that. I mean uh, the courts try to work together on those things, and then it's also. The, the sheriffs uh, who have custody in the jails, um, moving them and transporting them and that sort of thing. So it's kind of a works through all that to try to uh, make those things happen. So, you know, sometimes um, we've had some of these hearings that you know other counties have been holding that you can hold some hearings via um, Zoom or some sort of online. Mm-hmm participation for, for certain things, certainly not for a trial or anything like that, but right. but for arraignments and those sorts of things, you certainly can do those occasionally that way through you know, video conferencing type of things. So sometimes that happens. So courts and sheriff's offices uh, and ODRC and all those, um, they, they try to work together to try to um, accommodate everybody to make sure that if they're, if someone's wanted in multiple jurisdictions, that we can make sure that the different jurisdictions do you know um you know get their keep keep their cases moving because they have mm. speedy trial times as well that they right. have to um move on that sort of thing so they do work together um my guess is that um they would probably stay here generally But they could, you know, they could be taken to hearings in other counties that uh, also have additional charges.
0: And then it's worth pointing out real quickly that there are a number of other things that could uh, slow down the process, Uh, perhaps. uh, And it's not uncommon for uh, uh, defendants to change attorneys at some point uh, during the uh, process. We've seen that happen in some of these other cases, Uh, even a potential change of venue might be sought. So there are a number of things that have to work themselves out. Before uh, any of this comes before uh, a judge and jury, potentially uh, for justice to be served, so just to kind of give people an idea of what lies ahead, even though the suspects are in custody, it's not like a Law and Order episode where we'll see uh, the the trial start next week. Uh, again, Hancock uh, yeah, County, yeah.
2: It's not, uh, it's not 45 minutes and three commercials, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> exactly. I yeah, think County Prosecutor Phil Regal with us this morning. Thanks very much for uh, taking the time and sort of laying all of this out for us. We appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. It is most certainly a somber day for Hornet Nation, Corey Rawson Schools, mourning the loss of a well-known and beloved member of their community, Superintendent uh, Jay Clark is with us online uh, this morning. Uh, Jay, uh, to the uh, students and staff, Corey Rawson, uh, Officer Dominic Francis was uh, coach Dominic Francis. Uh, he was uh, well known, kind of a ubiquitous um, figure there uh, at the school, right?
3: You are right, Chris. Yeah, he was a uh, he was in addition to being an alumni of Corey Rawson and a police officer in nearby Bluffton and volunteer firefighter in the community. He was also, uh, he helped with coaching, he was a substitute teacher at one point, and most uh, recently he was a part-time bus driver for us.
0: So obviously very well known uh, among uh, students and staff. And uh, I I know that Corey Rawson, uh, you started on a two hour delay for school this morning uh, because coming up here in just a little bit, you'll be convening a morning meeting of the uh, staff. Uh, What will that message be to the uh, teachers and staff at the school ahead of uh, the time when the students actually uh, get into the school today?
3: Sure. Um, well, it will be really the idea that, um, you know, we we need that structure of the day today to support our, our students and our staff. Um, and so we'll be we're working with the critical incident stress management team of Western Ohio, and uh, they will um, kind of help guide the staff through, um, you know, just the, the grief process and what our kids may be experiencing um, but then also provide that support. Uh, we'll have about uh, 12 or 13 personnel uh, in our on our campus all day today just to help uh, support our kids and our staff.
0: So you will have uh, counselors on site for uh, any students and staff uh, that feel as though they need to uh, talk and work through their emotions based on uh, the tragedy that happened yesterday.
3: Correct. And then that, that same team is helping support um, our our fire department um, with a, a meeting and some time tomorrow on Saturday. And then we will also uh, be open to the community uh, between 1130 and 1230 uh, tomorrow afternoon um, in our elementary cafeteria. Uh,
0: and a good to uh, uh, make sure that we uh, point that out. that will be open to the community. Um Obviously, this is something that, uh, sadly, you know, you have to deal with from time to time within the school environment. Is the loss of of someone that is well known within the community, uh, not uh, in this way, given the circumstances of this particular incident. But how do you go about? Uh, identifying and, and helping those who need help. I mean, kind of take us through the the process here of, of dealing with this and at the same time moving forward. As you said, that structure is very important.
4: Sure.
3: Yeah. Well, and I think the first thing that will be important is um, starting when our students arrived this morning, and even actually on the bus that uh, Dominic drove, hmm. um, we have kind of a um, kind of a statement that we're reading just to kind of, first of all, ensure that our kids have facts about, um, the, the, the tragedy. Um, but then also just to talk about, you know, what is normal. Um, it's, you know, certainly normal to be sad or to be upset, um, to feel, you know, not to know what to feel That's sometimes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, just depending on, on where, what the student's relationship was with, with Dominic or his family, or, you know, just how they, they grieve. It's just to kind of point out to kids that, 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 it's It's normal, no matter what you're uh, you're feeling or or what's happening. And then, um, like I said, having those counselors throughout our building um, all day um will will certainly be a support to our teachers who, You know, want to want to be able to take care of our kids. Yeah. Um, And really, today is not about academics and math and English. It's just Mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that our kids have a structured support.
0: And and the reason I ask is because uh, obviously a lot of parents uh, at this point may be uh, wondering how can I help my uh, child Mm -hmm. uh, work through all of this? And obviously, they uh, many times we look to the schools because you uh, are uh, you know our our kids are in your care. uh, uh, for many hours each day, and so we look to uh, to that for some guidance of of how we can help our own kids kind of navigate their feelings uh, through a, a situation such as this.
3: Yeah, well, we will, and part of this process, we will send out um, some resources to our our families um, in the coming day or two, um, just to help with all those things. Up to you know, I mean, from as specific as you know, how to talk about a funeral and what. How, how do you approach a funeral with a young person?
0: Mm-hmm. And it's important to note that this is not, uh, I would imagine, not a one-off deal. It's not uh, that uh, you're going to have one day uh, where you're going to take and, and, uh, and reflect and grieve and then uh, everything goes back to normal on Monday morning. This, uh, in some cases, is likely to take uh, more than just a day or two.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. This incident team will be um, at our disposal um, probably indefinitely.
0: Yeah. Again, uh, Corey Rawson School Superintendent Jay Clark with us uh, this morning. Uh, Again, uh, Corey Rawson on a two-hour delay this morning so that uh, they can get everything uh, organized, get everybody on the uh, same page. This uh, meeting involving the entire staff will be happening a little bit later uh, this morning ahead of the uh, students arriving. And uh, we certainly uh, send our best wishes, thoughts, and prayers for the entire Corey Rawson community. Superintendent Jay Clark, thanks very much for taking some time for us this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. We do, by the way, have uh, more of those resources linked up at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net
5: now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight.
0: Joining us this morning from Open Arms, Domestic Violence, and Rape Crisis Services, Rosanna Thornton. And uh, Roseanne, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. Sexual Assault Awareness Month uh, begins today in the uh, month of April, and you are on a massive awareness campaign. Tell us.
5: Yeah, today is the first day of Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and so we have a few things that, you know, we are trying to do to get the word out and let our community be educated when it comes to sexual assault. Um, So we are lucky that we live in a great community that supports one another. And so we have uh, teamed up with a lot of local bars and restaurants, and they are helping us get the word out by... With table
0: tents, yeah, you go to uh, go out to eat, uh, and you're going to see this on your uh, table uh, information uh, about this with a QR code that uh, you can scan for more information. Yeah,
5: right? while you're waiting on your appetizers, yeah. your drinks, you can scan this QR code, and it'll lead you right back to our website under our sexual assault awareness page. And it gives you a little bit of everything when it comes to uh, statistics, when it comes to something nationally and even here locally, because sexual assault, it happens in our community.
0: And I know one of the emphasis, uh, one of the points of emphasis uh, this year is on uh, support and, and letting people know how they can support individuals who are victims of sexual assault.
5: Yes. Um, you know, it, it, it takes a hard moment for someone who wants to. Um, reach out to someone mm-hmm. And they really think about Who they reach out to And so if you are that person That they go to To disclose uh, That information You know You want to be supportive of them Listen to them Be patient Believe them Saying the word I believe you Mm-hmm it's the simplest thing, but it's a big thing.
0: Yeah, that's that's the thing. We all want to support those who have been victimized, but the big question is, how do we do that? I mean, that's a, that's a big thing for a lot of folks to know what is the right thing to say or the right thing to do.
5: Yeah, saying that you believe, I'm saying it's not your fault. Those are two simple things that you can say. And then again, just listen, be patient, and let them kind of take charge and lead of how they want to go about things. Just be supportive Uh, when it comes to that conversation.
0: And there are a couple of uh, events through the month as well where the community can show their uh, combined support, the community support. uh, Coming up on April 5th is Sexual Assault Awareness Day.
5: Yes. And, you know, there's different ways that you can um, join with us in this effort. Like, the color teal you know Uh, that is the color color for sexual assault (laughs) prevention so you know get your friends your family together wear teal we'll be wearing teal ourselves and um join us on our facebook and instagram and we'll have this big wonderful conversation of you know how we can support this and you know follow us on our social media we'll have information out there um that maybe you just Weren't aware of sure. Um, so we'll be doing that. And again, you know, while you're while you scan that QR code, take a look on our website of all the programs and services that we offer here in the community.
0: Which again, if you part of that support is guiding uh, individuals to uh, the uh, programs and services that are available.
5: Yes, and when it comes to um, our rape crisis program, you know we provide. advocacy when it comes to medical treatment, legal advocacy. We know that can be uh, overwhelming right Mm -hmm. there. Um, Our 24-7 emergency shelter, we also have individual and group support and all these services are free and confidential. So we want to make sure that you feel safe uh, you feel supported and that you can feel like you can take part in the start of your healing journey.
0: And a little bit later on this month, later in the month, April 27th, is Denim Day, again in support of sexual assault awareness. Yeah,
5: we all have denim, we all have our jeans, That's our right. jean jackets. Um, and there's this really good story of how or Why Denim, um, which I encourage everyone to visit our website. There's a link of um, Denim Day, and you can read the story on how that all got started. It kind of goes along with the myth and facts, um, you know, of, of surrounding
0: sexual, sexual assault. assault in general. So Sexual Assault Awareness Month in the month of April, and if uh, folks have... Uh Any questions, need information, need some guidance if they are a victim of sexual assault, a number of ways that folks can reach out to you.
5: Yeah, you can call us on our 24-hour crisis hotline at 419-422-4766. We also have our text and chat services, so if you don't feel comfortable speaking, we have those options as well. And, of course, you can visit our website, openarmsfinley.com, or you can follow us on our Facebook at and Instagram at, at Open Finley. So we're there to support you.
0: Again, Sexual Assault Awareness Month in April. Open Arms Domestic Violence and Rape Crisis Services doing what they can to remove some of the stigma of this and make sure we are all aware. Roseanne, thanks very much for dropping by.
5: Thank you. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor.
4: We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: I think we could all use a few uh, moments of levity here. It is time for a look at the odd and unusual side of the news. Brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. I had no idea that uh, when you buy a new home, this would be a potential option. A worker putting the finishing touches on a a new home in the Fort Myers area of Florida earlier this month discovered a 12-foot alligator loitering in the master bedroom. (laughs) Just kind of made himself at home. Professional trappers were called in to remove the animal. The video shows the man... Straining to yank the gator out of the home using a rope, project manager Matthew Goodwin told uh, local news reporters the gator was likely looking for some indoor warmth during a stretch of cold weather and became uh, trapped in the uh, construction uh, of the home. That's- <laughs> can you imagine? So here are your options when you find a new home. You have a uh, open floor plan. You can have a gourmet kitchen. You have an alligator in the bedroom. That's- I think I'll pass on that option. I think I'll pass on that. Uh, this was some really strange moments at Chicago's Midway Airport the other day. Uh, this was on Tuesday, according to news reports, a 33 year old man is facing charges after he allegedly <laughs> after he allegedly cli- climbed a barbed wire fence, uh, stripped naked after getting his jacket and shirt caught on the fence. Uh, and then jumped onto the wing of a private plane. The unidentified man, uh, who police say was intoxicated at the time of the incident, was taken to a local hospital for treatment of minor injuries and to be evaluated. <laughs> Stripped naked and jumped on the wing of a plane. Well, all right then. Apparently it was just a, a slow day. He needed some some excitement, and there you go. <laughs> Excitement for everybody else at the airport as well. <laughs> and not just some small regional airport. This Chicago's Midway. is not O'Hare, but it's still a pretty big airport there. That's, can you imagine having to explain why you missed your flight <laughs> you going to a big business trip? I There was a guy. There was a naked guy on the wing of the plane. There was a... So, mm. Woman scheduled to make a court appearance on Monday in Dublin, California, on charges of auto theft, <laughs> arrived for her court appearance in another stolen car. <laughs> 41-year-old Brandi Jones was uh, determined to be driving a stolen vehicle when she arrived at the Dublin courthouse for a hearing on a charge of grand theft auto. Following the hearing, she was taken Back to jail. (laughs) Some people just don't learn. Uh, Always uh, fun to have an animal story in the broken news. Police in Stafford Township, New Jersey, shared video of a young bull that escaped its pen and ended up attacking a local resident's mailbox. (laughs) Police say the one-year-old bull named Baby Cow, very original, escaped from his pen alongside a pair of pigs and a goat. On Wednesday afternoon, video shows the cow eventually pulling the mailbox to the ground. I don't know what the mailbox did to him, but uh, the animals were eventually rounded up and returned to their pen. <laughs> it's has kind got of a weird moment. And uh, finally, in the broken news this morning, uh, okay, this is Miami, Florida. According to the report, a woman... Walking her dog in the Edgewater neighborhood of Miami, suburb of Miami, as she was scooping up her dog's doo-doo, a man came up behind her, pushed her against a wall, and stole her watch, her bracelets, and a backpack. The man, who was subsequently identified as 62-year-old William Carroll, then took off when someone from a nearby balcony uh, who had witnessed it, yelled at him. So it's yelled at, and uh, he takes off. Officers later followed up on a call about a man who fit the description of the thief, and when they made contact with that individual, they were able to identify him, they say, because he still had dog dew do, uh, do stain on his shirt. <laughs> Undone by the pooch's droppings, there. Um, he was taken into custody and his identity was confirmed by both the victim and the witness, Mr. Carroll, now facing charges of armed robbery and battery. <laughs> and I would have gotten away with it too if it hadn't been for the meddling dog. <laughs> it's almost like something out of Scooby Doo. There you go. Uh, That is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN
2: Radio News. We keep you in the know with the events of our community that affect you and your family. Whenever it happens, you can count on us to fill you in with the information you need. We'll also keep you up to date with all the latest from around the Buckeye State with the help of the Ohio News Network. And we cover for the nation and the world with the resources of ABC News. The information you need around the clock from your news authority. 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and now
0: at 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. This is really interesting. It appears more people are going to work with a buzz now than at any point in the last two decades. The percentage of working Americans testing positive for drugs has reached a 20-year high. Quest diagnosis, uh, Diagnostics. Quest diagnostics in their annual drug testing index, found that the overall rate of positive drug tests uh, among employers increased 0.2% last year to now at 4.6% overall. That is the highest level since 2001. It's still very small, 4.6%. But they also found that the rate of failed drug tests in the U.S. has increased over 30% in the past decade. One of the biggest jumps is the number of positive marijuana tests. Nearly 4% of more than 6 million workers who were randomly urine tested in 2020 for marijuana use tested positive. That is a 50% increase, 50% increase over 2017. Uh, The data may reflect, they say, may reflect the fact that 10 more states have legalized marijuana Since 2017, when recreational use was legal in just eight states, many companies have stopped random testing for marijuana, and uh, some states where pot is legal are not allowed to use test results for marijuana in particular in their hiring decisions. But overall, it's interesting, those numbers of uh, positive drug tests, a lot higher Uh, The highest that they have been, in fact, in 20 years. Something pretty cool going on happening in town this weekend. The University of Michigan Men's Glee Club will be in town for a concert. And it just so happens that the president of the UM Glee Club is Findlay High School alum, Matthew Lichtinger, who uh, joins us on the line this morning. So, uh, Matthew, talk a little bit about how, how is it that you end up president of the uh, University of Michigan Glee Club. Talk about uh, your experience uh, with this and with the uh, group.
6: Oh man, that's a, that's a big question. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on this morning. I really appreciate it. Being able to tune in here remotely is, is such a huge privilege. <laughs> and I, I mean, I loved music growing up and was involved in FFE and VIP, the show choirs at Sydney High School. And then through, you know, kindergarten through eighth grade, all sorts of music at St. Michael's School. And so when I came to Michigan, I knew that Beyond my engineering degree, I needed to get involved in music and to keep that passion still alive. And uh, so I joined this group and uh, right away just got involved in the leadership. And I was so lucky to be mentored by some really incredible uh, sophomores, juniors and seniors at the time when I was a freshman. And they just really uh, taught me so many things and built me up. And when I was a junior, I thought, hey, you know, I want to be... Um, able to deliver that same mentorship and that same joy and and those same experiences that I had as a freshman and sophomore before the pandemic to those younger than me, that now that we're coming out of the pandemic and and, and we're able to be in person and and to just be able to share that experience. And I kind of wanted to be, you know, driving that bus a little bit and be able to share. I I felt that I could be the best person and do that for them. Um, So it it was a really great opportunity and, Thankfully, you know, my peers elected me, and and here we are.
0: Yeah, that's got to be a great honor to be uh, recognized uh, by uh, those uh, individuals uh, whom I'm sure you respect greatly. And and uh, in many cases, I'm guessing uh, some of those are uh, music music majors, as you as you said, you are uh, pursuing an engineering uh, degree, so not necessarily going into music as a profession. But I'm sure that some of the others uh, in the group are. So that speaks volumes. Uh, I would think.
6: Totally. And it's it's actually really awesome that you mentioned that. Um, it's one of the things that isn't really talked about a lot with the Glee Club is only about 10% of our members are music majors. Hmm. It's mostly non-music majors, which is so cool because there's tons of choirs in the school that are only music majors. And it provides this really great opportunity for people that are, you know, we have freshmen, people who have no idea what they're studying, all the way to, we have a kid in our group who is, he's, you know, I say kid, and he's like a 25-year-old <laughs> um, MD slash PhD student. Um, <laughs> so you have people from all walks of life, and then of course you have those people that are music majors and they're just absolute studs yeah. and like totally understand everything that's going on, but it's such a diverse group in that way. And It's just really, really cool to be a part of that.
0: How cool is it? How great is it to be actually back in person, as you say, and and able to do performances again, real live in-person uh, performances, which I'm sure you haven't been able to do for now a couple of years?
6: yeah. I mean, i, I words I think I could talk about that for about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's being on Zoom and rehearsing. I mean, i first of all, I'm just so grateful to our director for never taking a step back. Unfortunately, a lot of music organizations just kind of crumbled during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And we, we really never did that. Even virtually last year, last year, almost every single one of our rehearsals was virtual. And we didn't ever kind of, like I said, take a step back and just kept going. But it was hard, you know, when you're in a, used to be in a group like only two feet apart from uh, another guy and hearing 99 other people sing. And all of a sudden you're singing on an Island and you can't hear anybody because you're all muted on zoom. Um, That's really, really tough, but now we're, we're back. And it's like just that first rehearsal in August of this year was I mean, people like people <laughs> were crying, like they're just so excited to be I, back. I, I'm and, guessing
0: I'm uh, guessing that uh, in the past, maybe rehearsals are not the most fun part uh, of being in the group. But uh, it was <laughs> it was just like, oh, let's go rehearse. Let's actually go rehearse. Maybe <laughs> maybe a different yeah, mindset. <laughs> uh, with that. So uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, show. You're going to be uh, here. What uh, tomorrow evening? Is that right?
6: Yep, tomorrow evening, April 2nd at 7 p.m. at the St. Michael uh, Main Church right off of Bright Road. So, yep, we'll be singing um, a a pretty uh, hefty set of repertoire with uh, music. Our first half will be comprised of music from a ton of different composers. And then uh, during intermission, we have a subset a cappella group called the Friars. Which I'm also very fortunate to be a part of. And they'll perform a couple songs. And then the second half is actually a musical suite called To Repair, which is written by Tesla Wendemognew. He's from uh, St. Olaf College up in Minnesota. And it was kind of written in the wake of the uh, George Floyd mm. um, murder. And our director reached out to him, he's a, he's a, um, Tesla, the black man. And our director reached out to him and said, Hey, I just want to check in, man. How are you doing? And that just spurred on this two year journey of, of mm. Tesla going on a 60 day pilgrimage in the summer of 21 throughout all of these black communities in the U S to talk to them and, you know, not just figure out how we as individuals, can necessarily improve ourselves um, to to be better for you know in, in small interactions or you know in other ways. But what are we actually doing for these communities that are struggling?
4: Yeah. Um, and
6: not only just black communities, but you know people that are on the street and, and what are they going through? And you know those are the things that we don't get from reading books. Those are the things that we don't get from you know mm. listening an academic lecture. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest uh, thing that was so radical for me is. He told us a story about um, a woman he was speaking with, and he asked her her thoughts on reparations. And she said, I don't know what those are. Hmm. And he was like, oh, my God. Very... Yeah, we're trying to do something for these individuals that they we can't even communicate
0: with them. Yeah, it'd you be know? very, very powerful sick. stuff. Uh, we look forward Absolutely. to that. So uh, tomorrow evening at uh, 7 o'clock, and just uh, real quickly, I'm guessing – and I'm just spitballing here, but I'm guessing that Hang On Sloopy is not going to be part of the repertoire.
6: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't okay. think so. Just want to make sure uh, that <laughs> people
0: have that uh, don't have that expectation. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Lichtinger is the uh, president of the University of Michigan uh, Glee Club. They'll be in concert uh, tomorrow evening, 7 p.m., you said, right, at uh, St. Mike's. St. Michael. Yeah. Matthew, looking forward to it. Thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it.
6: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
0: My wife Kyra has joined us once again in the studio as we typically do to wrap up the week. It is time for another collection of recipes from Kyra's kitchen. You do not have a pizza eggs recipe. A what? <laughs> I saw this on the uh, on the Newswire. Apparently, uh, this is having a moment on TikTok. Pizza eggs. Okay. Uh, the hashtag pizza eggs has more than 1.9 million views on TikTok. The recipe typically involves people making omelets with popular pizza toppings. Okay. But there are other pizza eggs recipes which involve actual leftover pizza. Um, Elise. (laughs) I'm not making this up. Elise Myers, uh, who has the highest viewed pizza eggs video on TikTok thus far, makes her recipe using butter pre-cooked chicken pepperoni slices, salt, pepper, red pepper flakes, eggs, and cheese. Uh, let's see here. Shay Spence is a, another content creator uh, who shared his pizza eggs recipe first back in 2020 and then again revisited it this year. His recipe involves cutting up pizza slices, leftover pizza slices, okay. into cubes, okay, frying them in oil, okay. adding some optional sauce, Okay. Then blending eggs, salt, and pepper, and cooking it all on medium heat. Well, I'm sorry. That does, so, just, that does not sound good. Okay, I'm so, sorry. <laughs> there you go. If you're uh, particularly adventurous, you can go check that out on TikTok. Hashtag pizza eggs. No, thanks. It is
7: I like my pizza, my pizza, and my eggs, my eggs. Pizza. I don't like my pizza and eggs <laughs> mixed.
0: <laughs> and never the twain shall meet. <laughs> so anyway, no recipe for pizza eggs, but I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know. I mean, it's unique. It's a... You know, I, I don't, I don't know about the leftover pizza yeah. recipe, but using pizza ingredients.
7: Right. I mean, like an omelet and then in I an, guess, yeah, and an omelet. Uh, yeah, I mean, cause that might I be mean, kind of interesting. You have like the, the Mexican omelet with, with your a salsa, lot of those, and those, a lot of those same things stuff yeah. in the middle. You just don't have the crust. So part it would of be it. maybe
0: like an Italian I mean, pizza omelet. I just
7: omelet. think the, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah.
7: I'm not trying it. I'm good. <laughs>
0: Well, there you go, <laughs> but if you want, you can go, maybe we'll put that on the, uh, we'll link up to that on the uh, Kyra's yes. Kitchen Facebook page if there you are you particularly go. in uh, uh, adventurous. In the meantime, yes. our recipes this morning from Kyra's Kitchen, first of all, we have a slow cooker beef ragu. Yes,
7: so this is three tablespoons of olive oil, four pound uh, beef roast, uh, salt and pepper to taste, half a sweet onion chopped two tablespoons minced garlic, one teaspoon dried basil, one cup white wine, one cup beef stock, one six ounce can of tomato paste, and one tablespoon of balsamic vinegar. So heat an oil on medium high in a skillet. I use my iron skillet mm-hmm. and season um, your beef roast with salt and pepper. Cook the beef on all sides until well browned. About 10 minutes, then remove from the pot, place the beef... Um, into a sprayed slow cooker. Add your onion, your garlic, and your basil. Whisk together your wine, your broth, uh, your tomato paste, and your balsamic vine- vinegar. Then pour that um, over the beef in the slow cooker. Uh, set your uh, uh, crock pot to either um, eight hours um, or um, four hours on high. Eight hours on low. And then um, once you're done, then gently break your roast uh, with a fork, stir well to coat with the sauce, and then serve with your favorite cooked pasta or mashed potatoes.
0: Yeah. That is good stuff. Yes, it is really
7: good. I like it. Uh, I've we, done it a couple times now.
0: We did this uh, the other day with uh, cube steak. Yeah, I did it with did, the cube, with steak. A cube steak. I did uh, it with the
7: cube steak, and I did it with a roast,
0: and uh, put it over uh, ravioli, cheese mm-hmm. ravioli. Yep. So yep. that was uh, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, along with the uh, slow cooker beef ragu, you could put it over mashed potatoes, and you have yes. a recipe for garlic mashed potatoes. Yes.
7: So three tablespoons minced garlic, one pound red potatoes, washed and cut into. Uh, quarters, uh, salt and pepper to taste. Four tablespoons of uh, butter and three fourths cup heavy cream. So place your potatoes in a large pot and cook and cover with water. Uh, add a tablespoon of salt and bring to a boil. Simmer for about fifteen minutes or until your uh, a fork goes in one of the potatoes and it's nice and tender.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
7: drain and return your potatoes to the pot along with the garlic. Add butter and cream to the pot with the potatoes and garlic along with the salt and pepper. Uh, mash until the milk and the butter are all incorporated and potatoes are creamy consistency. You may have to add a little bit more cream or uh, if, if you don't want to add any more cream, just a little bit of milk or your broth that you had left for them. Um, if you save your um, potato. Um, okay. Okay. Potato broth, you can do that too. So, however, you want to do it. And if you want to keep some lumps in there, you go ahead and keep some lumps in there. A little lumpy is a
0: good thing. Yes. No, that's not a problem with you. Nope. Mashed potatoes. No, nope. uh, And then for dessert, a recipe for creme brulee cheesecake bars. Yes. So,
7: so one pouch of your Betty Crocker sugar cookie mix, uh, one box of French vanilla instant pudding mix, two tablespoons of packed brown sugar, uh, a half a cup of butter melted, two and a half teaspoons of vanilla, two eggs plus three egg yolks, two packages, uh, eight ounce each of your cream cheese softened. A half a cup of sour cream, half a cup of sugar, and two-thirds cup of your toffee bits finely crushed. Okay. So heat your oven to 350 degrees, uh, lightly spray bottom and sides of a 13 by 9 inch uh, pan with cooking spray. In a large bowl, uh, stir the cookie mix, the pudding mix, the brown sugar, the belted butter, uh, one teaspoon of vanilla, and one whole egg until soft- And the dough is, it'll be soft and firm. Okay. So then you're going to press that in the bottom of your prepared baking dish. Okay. In a small bowl, beat your cream cheese, your sour cream, your sugar with um, your electric mix on medium speed until smooth. Add your remaining whole egg, your three egg yolks, and your remaining one and a half teaspoons of vanilla. Beat until smooth. Spread that over the crust in the pan. Bake 30 to 50 minutes or until set in center. Uh, then immediately put your sprinkles of your toffee bits. Cool for thirty minutes. Refrigerate for about three hours for your bars, and then cut into rows and store covered in your refrigerator until you're ready to serve. Mm,
0: yum stuff! Yes, yummy stuff. Uh, the creme brulee cheesecake bars. I'm going to start with that. That's what I'll just start <laughs> right there. Okay. Uh, and then the uh, slow cooker beef ragu and the garlic mashed potatoes those recipes are all posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN we also have them linked up at the WFIN Facebook page and of course uh, you can find those at goodmornings.net as well my wife Kyra with her recipes from Kyra's Kitchen this morning thanks very much you're welcome and that will finish off our podcast for today thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, that is goodmornings.net. And of course, stay locked on WFIN.com and the WFIN Facebook page for continuing coverage of the investigation into the death of police officer Dominic Francis yesterday, our top story of the day. Coming up Monday on our program, we'll circle back to the feature that we had planned on including in today's program uh, before yesterday's uh, tragedy and that is a closer look at alcohol use in the home which spiked during the pandemic accelerating an already growing trend but is that sending a dangerous message to young people so until monday morning that is good mornings for this morning now that you've had a good morning going out make it a good day a great weekend we'll catch you back here next week